Welcome to Inspected Goals, the pod that tries to improve our play through a more analytical approach to FPL. I'm Seb, and this week I am joined by, as opposed to joining, I guess, Ben, Ben Crellum himself. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, Seb. I'm doing pretty good. I've recovered from a dreadful week of FPL and I'm ready <laughs> to get back into it. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thank you, my friend. We've been we've been off work this week uh, on like holiday for our, our toddler's birthday. It was like yesterday, so middle of the week. So we uh, we took the week to uh, to celebrate that, take him out of nursery, and then spend the rest of the week doing like house stuff and and boring boring real world stuff. So yeah, also distracting myself from FPL and not owning Alvarez and trying to defend that decision terribly on the timeline. I think this might be the first time we've uh, we've had a chat like this, my friend. I think so. Yeah. Oh, well, what an absolute pleasure. I have been leaning far too heavily on your FPL expertise in past years. So um, so delighted to be able to talk to you live tonight. And I think what we're going to try and do, so that we'll keep this, you know, we'll keep this chill. Um, we've got a few little things we can talk through, but I think a lot of it is framed around this idea of when do we wildcard? Or, hey, maybe I'm being selfish. When do I wildcard? So I've got a squad that it maybe makes sense between somewhere uh, game week eight, game week 10. So that naturally leads us to thinking, well, what do we do before then? The idea of dead-ending teams or targeting, for example, that Luton and uh, Burnley, I think it is, double. And then what do we do afterwards? Because there is opportunities to uh, to wildcard afterwards as well. So I think if we talk around too many schedules or anything, by the way, for people listening, we will post this up on Twitter so you can see any visual stuff we talk about. But I think the first sort of most sensible question here is I've said I'm probably going to wildcard somewhere between 8 and 10. And for me, that all looks quite similar it's just about moving from one type of team to another and it's about when do i make that change but what about yourself like you mentioned maybe you know you've not had the week you wanted does that push you to wildcarding now or is there a plan no well i during the international break i was thinking that i was gonna wildcard in game week eight after these this double game week but then like i was using fpl review maybe i wasn't using it the way i was supposed to and then I saw someone post a comment like, if you want to compare wildcard plans, you should set the what is it, the time decay settings to 1.01. So I did that and I noticed like a game we get wildcard would only gain me like six or seven points or around that and it, it wasn't really worth it. So I'm just keeping going now, assuming that I'm not going to wildcard anytime soon. I've got two free transfers now so I can fix some things, set set myself up a bit, maybe invest in the Newcastle defence who have got good pictures for a while. Um, but I guess with the two Man United players in my team, you want to give them the next couple of fixtures and see how they do. But if they're still underperforming, then a wild card would, would come in handy to just clear them out. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's reasonable. So like, I mean, you mentioned your Man United players there. I have two as well. I assume it's Rashford and Bruno for you. Yeah. Yeah, so underperforming I guess we mean here underperforming in terms of Man United are underperforming but probably here what we mean is you know they're putting up certain numbers but not quite delivering those returns and with way the way Man United are looking maybe with some of the uh the absences they have as well they're not necessarily playing in the positions we'd want at least in terms of Fernandez's uh position how do you treat that then because looking at the fixtures here in six they have Burnley then Palace then they have Brentford in eight Sheffield United in nine and City in 10, so obviously that's a tough one. If you were going to get rid of them or bench them, it's probably that week. But afterwards, the fixtures aren't awful. They're probably sort of top half on the fixture ticket that I'm looking at here, but they go straight into Fulham, Luton, uh, Everton, and so on after that game week 10 period. So 
for me, if I'm wildcarding, I'm probably holding on to at least one, if not both, of my Man United players. For you, how, when, when do you stop? Like, how long do you hold on to them? When do you just go, this underperformance is too much, I must move elsewhere? Yeah, no, I, I guess in previous seasons, I've only really transferred someone out if they're, when the fixtures get tough and if, if they've been performing badly or when the fixtures get, like, middling. But yeah, the, the Man United fixtures stay stay pretty good if you ignore that Man City game. And yeah, looking building wildcard drafts on FPL review, it's always going to suggest having having those two players because they're good value. Um, maybe Man United will perform better when I'm a I'm a back comes back in. Um, but yeah, I suppose I can't really justify wildcarding just to get rid of those two players. Um, yeah, I've, my my problems in my team at the minute is Shaw, Chilwell, and then I guess Jackson as well. Um, but I've got my two free transfers to use now, so. I can deal with two of those problems now. And then, and then what, I guess the question is about Haaland, whether you, you wildcard it and, and take Haaland out. Or maybe if you wildcard it in game week eight or nine, it's easier to build a team with Haaland and Salah. Whereas if, if you're just going with free transfers, you might have to sacrifice Haaland to get to Salah. Yeah, I think if you were going to wildcard, it's always attractive to try and do something team structure changey wise in, in the past couple of seasons we've almost had luxuries maybe the wrong word but we've had quite obvious wild cards and quite impactful wild cards because of the changes to the schedules and the cancellations and later doubles it's become quite clear when we should wild card and you know what kind of big gain we should expect from that i wonder if something we're seeing now with basically the last chance to use your wild card is game week 19 i think it is which is 30th of december um and then you know first the first wild card goes and we get a second for the second half of the season i wonder if people are maybe waiting for a swing that isn't going to come because we're so used to those massive ones in past seasons that now you're effectively for my mind at least you have in about game week eight nine or ten it sounds like your team is better set up than mine but for example i've got um, I've got a double Arsenal, I've got triple City, Foden over Alvarez, uh, Edison and Haaland, of course. I've got triple Chelsea, Jackson and two of the defenders. I have no Liverpool, I have no Villa. Uh, I've got a couple of Brighton in there as well in Jao Pedro. So looking at the fixtures, some of those teams that go from sort of maybe, you know, middling or top or, or what have you in the schedule, take a bit of a turn around game week eight and start looking not so attractive. Brighton, to be fair, quite soon get that back. But there is that little Man City period. And most notably, I think Liverpool jump up. You've got Newcastle up there, which I think everyone wants some of the defenders. I'm looking at triple. Uh, Aston Villa look good as well, just after that little wildcard window. So for me, it's about trying to find the optimal time to jump into that pivot. But of course, if you've got different players to me, or think you can get through that with transfers, you're probably looking for a later opportunity. Now, for me, maybe game week 14, there's maybe another little shift there. Players that I'm taking out, I might want to bring back in. So maybe you can try and do that. And of course, there's the blank in 18. But in that, where jumps out to you for using your wildcard? Well, the fixture swings in game week eight and nine are a long way off. Like if you've got two free transfers, you can gradually deal with, with players. Like if you've got Chilliwell, you could deal with him this week and then Jackson next week from, from Morris. And like FPL Review is suggesting that I do um, Sterling and Haaland to to, to uh, Salah and Watkins is when the fixes swing and like I think that's game week nine or something every plan I, I make it that is the suggested route then so you can cover that um yeah I'm, I'm thinking about wildcarding in game week 19 like 
it is on it's actually boxing boxing day which is when that deadline is so it is quite stressful to have to think about your wildcard team over christmas it's not really optimal is it but um <laughs> yeah the blanks man city man city do have good fixtures like the fixtures get kind again in, in game week 16 17 then they go blank and then more good fixtures straight after that a good a good run of fixtures so if you were to wildcard in game week 19 you could you can go back to having triple my um man city um brentford have decent fixtures as well i don't know would you they have wolves at home and then palace away and forest at home after that blank so i don't know i think there, there could be some advantages to, to wildcarding then it's it's during the busy time of the, the christmas like schedule when teams play quite frequently so injuries might build up at that that time as well. So there could be lots of problems in your team to deal with. And you might be like, have a transfer plan to deal with that blank game week. And then your injuries pop up because it's an intense part of the schedule and you, that could scupper your, your transfer plans. And so it's, it's not the worst thing to have the wild card saved, I don't think. But yeah, I haven't really thought about whether I'm going to use it in like 14 or anything yet. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that's fair. And I mean, to be fair, when I was just mentioning the opportunities there, you mentioned 19. I guess almost because of the way I presented that, it almost looks like you have to use it by 19. But within this window, obviously, you can use it in 19 to set up for the second half of the season because that second wildcard is probably going to come around. Is it, say, 32? We would be expecting doubles-ish? I um, I penciled in like a, a great week. I sent a tweet out about it a while ago that... It's 31 looks like a really good time to play that second wild card. I don't know if we need to talk about that all now, but yeah, 29 <laughs> is 29 is the biggest blank week of the season. And then game week 30 has a lot of top six clashes like Arsenal, Man City, Man United, Liverpool. So you wouldn't be really mind not having those players if they just blanked. And then in, in 31, you'd, you'd load up on Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool when they have really good fixtures. I mean, it is game week six. It's probably proper to plan for game week thirty-one now, right? You know, we want to we want to look ahead, make sure we get enough data. Yeah, get a, get a proper run up. Yeah, but if you if you know <laughs> you are cutting in game week thirty-one, it does kind of I suppose it changes a bit your wildcard one strategy. If you if you'd say dealing with certain number of like a, an even break between like now and game week thirty-one, so yeah, I don't know. It, it maybe it affects it a little bit. If you wildcard now and you've got a number of game weeks like a 25 game weeks to go really with without wildcarding again yeah i think that's fair right if you're doing even game week 10 obviously that's 21 weeks 20 weeks ish until you until you wildcard whereas if you're pushing it to 18 19 what have you yeah you're very much trying to get through this period of transfers and then setting up you're almost setting up a new team for the second half of the season almost like our old you know world cup one from last year and then knowing you can get to 31 and attack those doubles i think for me that sounds super attractive but my team just isn't necessarily in shape for that. I probably have just one too many players that I'd want to shift around where I think for me, the wild card, you mentioned there, what was it about six to, to eight EV game for you? Yeah. I was playing around with, so I didn't do the time decay method actually. And I don't mm. think I knew that was a good idea. So I'm gonna have to play with that. What I was doing, yeah. I built like various teams and put the wild card in like manually when, you know, when I could do it and then built those drafts and compared what the points difference would be. 
And so for me, I think it spat out game week nine, which um, as per that little plan um, I sent through, and I'll attach to the tweet if we cover it a bit. I started looked at what my team would be fixture wise and sort of rotation wise, so benchings and any transfers from a six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And in that period, when does the toughest swing come for my team specifically? Which looked like game week, well, game week eight, if I can make it. Game week 10 looked quite bad, actually. I was sort of playing players I wouldn't necessarily want to play. For example, in Bumo away at Chelsea. Of course, in Bumo is good, but it, but it's not ideal. Uh, so if I was going to wildcard in there, I think game week nine made the most sense for my team. Um, I also had Trafford because I'd be doing Edison to Trafford in game week seven to jump on that. So maybe getting out of a couple of my looting players and setting up for that fixture swing-ish period is what I was looking at. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, when I Before I knew about the, the time decay thing, I was thinking about wildcarding in game week eight. Like I said, I was, I was going to build up with like Burnley and Luton players and wildcard out of it. But now it looks like I might just have the one Luton player and just, and like Morris is so cheap that you can just stay on your bench some weeks. Um, yeah, I think I can get by with it without a wildcard now. I do have the three Chelsea players, but I can get rid of them gradually. What else? I've only got the one Man City player. And so it'll be a decision about whether I sell yeah. Ireland or not. And then um, I think Saliba would probably keep him as his fixtures get good again pretty soon like game week 10 so probably worth keeping to leave i did sell Saka last week i was annoyed about that i am um, yeah like because during the international break i wasn't really thinking about fpl much and then on the friday i just was running fpl review solves yeah and uh, i didn't really like any of them and i just went with the i was tempted to actually do the goalkeeper switch of um trafford get Trafford for Turner and that and then someone said that, that was a stupid idea that to do that I think it was Hibbo, Hibbo who said like yeah you just shouldn't do that so I did the Saka to, to um, Son move as my top line and now feeling a bit worried like it was all about that last fixture for, for the Son yeah. move now he's got Arsenal and Liverpool coming up and yeah Son would have been someone that I would have been wildcarding for in game week 8 or 9 but now I've already got him like it reduces the need to to wildcard, I suppose. Yeah, I think. So the Son, I mean, Son was popular whether you were using review or not. Um, saw a big spike up in review in terms of the recommendations, I think mostly because moving to that striker position, potentially having penalties, massively upped his potential, which is entirely reasonable. And that fixture was very, very attractive. As it transpired, Son specifically didn't put up too much impressive in that fixture, but we only know that after the fact. I think um, I was talking to, I think it was Praz on Friday, and like I didn't make that move because I don't think it made a huge amount of sense for my squad. And I was priced out of doing like, say, a straight Foden to Son. So naturally, I was maybe looking for reasons not to do it. And for me, it was the idea that you needed your returns against Sheffield United or you were stuck with these two tougher fixtures in Arsenal away and Liverpool at home. And then in game week eight, you'd maybe want to get a Madison or a Son and you could go again. So I, th- I felt like you needed your returns against Sheffield United to then buy you the next two fixtures. And then we could reassess Son. I think most people will then want Son or Madison if Richarlison's up front or maybe you get Richarlison. But it gave us that time. So I think most people were expecting to get some points in the bank and it was unfortunate they didn't. But one thing to point out is that, you know, Arsenal and Liverpool will concede goals. Son absolutely could score against them, especially potentially against the Liverpool side who may well leave some Son-sized holes in their defence. And I think, speaking of popular transfers and this idea that, um, is it every transfer so far this season that's been the highest transfer player transferred in, they've then blanked in the following game week, I believe. So we had like Chilwell in game week one, 
um i forget who it was after that oh sterling wasn't it i think sterling then uh then obviously now we're looking at son and then this week alvarez to be fair i would say alvarez is the one that's got the most behind him so the best numbers obviously man city the minutes so i don't think we should be too worried about a blank against forest but the popular transfer is jackson to alvarez jackson chelsea have aston miller at home and fulham away he has great underlying numbers some of the best in the league in fact but he simply isn't turning that into the numbers that matter to us, goals and assists. Whereas Man City have Forrest at home, Wolves away, Alvarez, we would expect to get minutes, uh, if only because they don't have too many options. And while he is underperform- uh, overperforming, sorry, as the numbers, I should say, his numbers aren't shabby by any means. And one really important thing to point out, I think, before I throw it over to you, Ben, is that he's massively overperforming his assists in particular. I think he's got something like under two expected assists, but delivered five. One of the things we see on that is the fantasy assists so for example rebounds from shots or say a cross into the box that takes a nick or what have you that wouldn't be counted as an opter assist which is what we're talking about when we talk about expected assists obviously do get counted in fantasy so a lot of players will always perform their xa overperform their xa because we aren't necessarily counting fantasy xa if that makes sense Although one caveat in that is that something like, for example, a rebound shot that does get counted in XG. So it's not like you want to just go and add all of that back into your into your model or what have you, because the XG is going to count for the chance of that turning into a goal. And I think while that's not perfect, it's a relatively decent foil for saying, well, if this was a low chance of a goal, it's probably also a low chance of someone appearing for a tap in. But that is very, very hard to work out. So two questions for you. Um that waffle I just went on there about how we use XA and whatnot. I wonder if you have any opinions on that. And then more importantly, what's your feeling on Alvarez and Jackson? Are you making that move? Um, with expected assists, I've, I've always thought they're, they're less like predictive than expected goals because you're just getting like simple passes that are leading to someone dribbling and having a, a great shot on target. So I don't put as, weight, as much weight into expected assists. There's more variance there. Um, but I suppose you've got to pay attention if someone is like putting a lot of dangerous passes in, like is on set pieces and, and, and that kind of stuff, like Bruno Fernandez or whatever. Um, my continue to doing Alvarez. Well, if I had like one free transfer now, then I would, it, I, I suppose. I've got two free transfers and I've got two defensive problems, like I say, in, in Chilwell and Shaw. Like, is Chilwell more of a problem than Alvarez in your team right now? That's what I'm trying to work out. And could you give Jackson one more chance and then get Morris if you think he's the best captain option next week? That's that's what the viewers is saying to me at the minute. I'm not seeing Alvarez anywhere near like the top lines of, of myself. He's way way down. So I think it, when there's such a big gap on review between like your top line and then the transfer that other people are doing, like the top, the popular target Alvarez this week, when there's such a big EV gap, then. I suppose I feel safe to ignore him, but I will. I will feel like nervous about the Man City game if I don't have him. But yeah, what about you? Are you going to get Alvarez this week and then have a way to get Morris next week, or are you going to captain someone else next week? So I've I've got Edison, Foden, and Haaland at the moment. Yeah. So I can't get Alvarez in just a straight swap for Jackson. I would have to, for example, do Foden to Eze and Jackson to Alvarez, which, for what it's worth, I think is a pretty nice set of transfers. But I'd probably have to really twist Review's arm to get that recommendation near my top. 
If I recall, Alvarez's minutes are currently 79 by default. They were 71 earlier in the week. 71 saw him nowhere near. He was like the fifth best forward over this little period we're talking about uh, in terms of EV and was nowhere near the team you should be getting. Although did appear in my wildcard solve in, in nine because going forwards, I think it was basically saying you can have Salah, you can have Trent and you can have Alvarez, don't have Haaland. Uh, I had Watkins up front as well, I think, in that solve, in that wildcard solve. However, now at 79, I think he's jumped up a little bit to about third best forward. So obviously Haaland is first. We then have Watkins is up there and Morris basically just because of the double game week. And I think uh, Alvarez comes in just behind that. Yeah, I've got it up now on, on, oh, default, nice. on default minutes. It goes, this is for the next like 12, 12 weeks, but it goes um, Morris, Haaland, Isaac, Alvarez, Watkins. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, Newcastle, yeah. I was getting Alvarez... In a lot of wild card, like every wild card, like solve I did when I was experimenting on game week eight, game week nine, game week ten, wild card teams, Alvarez was always there, and it makes sense. It's just right now there's like Morris is another cheap forward who has a double game week next week, and maybe he takes priority now. And then I think Morris to Alvarez at some point might be the transfer that I would look look to do, um, or Watkins and. Yeah, Alvarez and Watkins after, during this fixture swing, after, after the fixture swing, um, and I'd be replacing um, Haaland and, and Morris, maybe. That's fair. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned you've got a 12-week horizon there on review. Out of interest, how do you usually use sort of how far you look ahead when you're trying to plan your stuff? Well, because I've been doing wildcard drafts and comparing different weeks to wildcard, I've, I've been putting it on 12 and letting it do a full, like, proper solve. I'm, I'm not that experienced with FPL review. Um, I guess 12 weeks, but with planned transfers for only six weeks, does that make sense? There's solve depth maybe at yeah. six, and, and the, the fixture's 12. I know that um, FPL review currently only shows up to game week 17. I wonder when it loads next week it'll include game week 18 and that could change some of the wildcard drafts because i was looking at one wildcard draft for game week 10 like the top one that all the goalkeepers were Flecken and Ariola, and i was thinking that's not going to be a great combination for game week 18 because Flecken has the blank Ariola has man united so you, you do have to think about about how you're going to set your team up for the blank game week i think a little bit like your cheap bench players we might have to rely on them in game week 18. So it makes sense that you pick ones with, with good fixtures then. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that, that piece of insight is perfect. For me, when I've been playing around with it, there's a couple of, there's a couple of I think, techniques, maybe the right word, just to how you use it to get what you need out of it. And when I say what you need out of it, I don't mean the confirmation bars to Captain Jackson, uh, Seb. <laughs> despite despite doing that if I could I'm sure but more like what are you what are you trying to ask it and what are you trying to get it to tell you in terms of are you are you seeing if it's this transfers week that you need to look at are you like you for example are you looking at uh what your wildcard horizon should be and when we're looking further into the future we should always acknowledge that there's going to be decay in there so you mentioned the time decay earlier you can adjust the base rate of that obviously minutes i think typically if you look at an individual player's uh, profile when you click on them you can set individual x mins for each week but typically by default those will decay over time because we're just accounting for the probability of say tactical changes or um or someone losing form and losing their place or more likely injuries anything like that what we're effectively saying is 
this is my belief, but my confidence in that belief dwindles slightly over time to match the fact that there are unknowns that I know may well appear. And so I should adjust my expectations down to match that. And yes, make predictions, but make less confident predictions the further we look into the future. And then the second thing, which I think you absolutely nailed there, is that whatever you do, you're going to have an endpoint. And as far as I'm aware, someone please correct me here if I'm wrong, but as far as I'm aware, if your endpoint is, for example, game week 17, review is trying to optimize your team from now until 17. And it will treat 17 as the end of the season. It won't necessarily think what happens beyond here. What do I need to look out for players? So often that's okay. Yeah, sure, fixtures will change. But as long as we're decaying our confidence, we know that as we get towards 12, we keep resolving, we'll keep updating our transfer decisions. And that won't ever happen. We won't ever get to that horrible cutoff where it's all gone wrong because we will adjust our expectations as we go. The one maybe exception to that is when something like that blank comes along and you're using a wild card, if you filled your team with, as you mentioned, two goalkeepers and say a Haaland and another City player or something, that blank may come as a bit of surprise to your squad. And yes, you can deal with it with transfers, but those transfers may prevent you from making what would otherwise be more optimal transfers, I think. Yep, I agree with that. And like one thing to comment on with when you're wildcarding is like, just get a better sample size of, of data the longer you go into the season. <clears throat> Like I listened to the double double pivot podcast. I think they were saying after five game weeks of data, it's like seventy percent variance and thirty percent like reliable stuff. I think, and then like after ten game weeks, it goes up to fifty percent. So it's almost twice as twice as reliable. And, and you and just as a casual observer, you just get more confident in your predictions as you've get, got more more game weeks to to go on, and maybe like. Amabrat, for example, comes into Man United, he could transform their midfield. Um, things settle down. If you've got multiple games against weaker oppositions to judge teams on, because like for Newcastle, it's harder to, to judge them when they've played so many. It's such a tough schedule to, to begin with. And then they've got Champions League coming up. How are teams going to react to Champions League? What's the rotation going to be like? It's a bit like unsteady at the minute. I know like we're, we're living in the moment. All, you know, all we're thinking about is game week six and seven, but going to be able to form like more confident assessments and have a better idea in a, in a few weeks. Like, uh, yeah, like maybe game week 10, 10-ish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I've probably said something like this every time I've chatted with with either Luke or Sam or now yourself on this pod. And I think it's, I think, you know, the way I like to think about this really does suit the way the way we'd like this pod to develop, which I think is is beautiful. And the biggest thing for me is that, you go on FPL Twitter or even just disappear inside your own brain and think about FPL. We always get attracted to those binaries because in FPL, I either transfer a player or I don't, or a captain player or I don't, or a player scores or they don't. We have binary outcomes. It's ones and zeros, yeses and noes. But when we're making our decisions ahead of knowing what that outcome was or making the decision to transfer a player and a player out, we should never think in yes or no or binaries. We should be assigning, even if not literal, percentage chances of things happening. We should be weighting what we think likely outcomes are against less likely outcomes, but acknowledging that basically every outcome is possible. It's just what do we think is more possible? And so looking at things like 
gosh, I don't know, Morris in game week seven is probably a great example. Having two fixtures just massively ups the chance of him being involved in some sort of goal. Those fixtures being quite kind also ups that chance. But at no point does it say he is definitely going to score. And we know Haaland, for example, he's got Wolves away in game week seven, could score enough points to basically make it no matter what Morris does, he's never going to outscore Haaland. But we have to think if we run game week seven a hundred times, a thousand times, if we could do that, what is the outcome that happens most often and therefore we should assign the most weight to when we're trying to make our decisions? And so, for example, for me, I think that might be Morris or, you know, if Morris is losing a few minutes, I believe, was it last week he got subbed off in the 70s? That's new information. I can apply that to my thinking and I'll apply it to review because that helps my thinking and I'll reassess. But at the moment, I think Morris might have enough minutes and good enough fixtures and crucially two fixtures, which is huge. All he has to do is turn up and he gets four points, which is not far off what Haaland gets for getting an assist or what have you. For me, that might outweigh Haaland, but I think might is the key word. And similar to the big conversation this week with Alvarez and Jackson and what have you, you mentioned sample sizes. Jackson massively underperformed so far this season. Watch the matches. I don't think he looks particularly great when he's looking to strike his shots or finish goals or what have you. But then if we look at last season at Villarreal, I believe he put up eight XG in about 25, 25 starts. I forget how many 90s. Uh, and he scored 12 goals. So he overperformed his XG last season by 50%, which is massive. He yeah. shouldn't probably keep that up. And he hasn't. But now he's gone massively the other way. And realistically, we should probably just chill a bit and sit somewhere in the middle. Yeah, is it to do with him being a young striker and confidence being a factor and he goes through spells where he's like outperforming and it's just like due to confidence maybe and underperforming? And yeah, maybe I'd just give him this one week against Aston Villa. I'm probably selling him anyway yeah. next week, whatever happens. But I don't think he's a terrible player, I think. He'll have a spell this this season when he's he's a great option, especially when Nkunku comes back. That'll make Chelsea a lot better, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think on Jackson there, you kind of mentioned it. For me, I think selling Jackson for Alvarez is an absolutely fine transfer and could come out really well. But it's more, I do you want to go Jackson, Alvarez, Morris for the double and then go back somewhere else? Or do you want to just be going, say, Jackson straight to Morris and how you value that transfer? So for you, which side of that do you think you're falling on? in terms of, I guess, one fewer transfers, but without getting Alvarez? Or do you let Morris go altogether? Um, I suppose I'll, this this week, I'm going to sort out, my def- sort out my defense, I think. And then we'll look at how many minutes Morris plays. Um, if, he, if he gets another 80, 85, and I'll feel confident about bringing him in and, and captaining him, I suppose. Um, Man City's fixtures, yeah, Wolves away next week. But then if you if you fade it for Wolves away, then he's got Arsenal away and Brighton, then Man United. And, well, I don't know, but it's such good value, isn't he? You still want still want him at some point. If you're wildcarding, then you're probably going to have Alvarez in your wildcard team in game eight, nine, or ten, I suppose. But yeah. it's these next two weeks where he can he can hurt you. But I I think I'll go Morris first and then go to Alvarez at some point. I think that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned the defence there. What are you thinking defence? I think I can guess, but what are you thinking defence-wise? I'm thinking Chilwell and Shaw, as I've kept Shaw around all this time, and just bring in the two Newcastle defenders, Botman and Trippier, and that would leave 0.2 in the bank, so I can just about afford that. Nice. Yeah, I think another one of those kind of like FPL, I don't know what the word would be, tendencies that we often have as a group 
is we adjust our, our our expectations and our opinions so very quickly and on based on often so little data and when i say little data i don't necessarily mean numbers even just watching matches and the newcastle defense has maybe been one of those where they were were they i think the second best defense last year behind city potentially or third i think maybe behind arsenal and this year there's something like fifth this is by xgc expected goals conceded despite having actually quite tough fixtures now for me that's that's brilliant. The, you know, one of the best defenses last year, who were priced kindly, are still good enough despite tough fixtures, and now they have nice fixtures. I'm I'm doubling or tripling up when I get the opportunity. I think. Yeah, I um I listened to that double pivot pod uh, this week, and he, Michael Cayley, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. He he did yeah. the schedule adjusted rankings, and he does that based on like last season's data with a bit of with this season's first five game weeks like weighted so that. The, the, what we've seen so far doesn't like massively outweigh. So he like he judges it based on if Man City are expected to concede um, to score 1.7 xG to get 1.7 xG in a regular match against an average opponent, and if you if you concede like 2.7 xG, then you that counts against you. Anyway, yeah. Newcastle are the second best team based on those rankings in the in the league, <laughs> and that's kind of because the way they played Man City, they they didn't go for the goal when when they played Man City. They they conceded the goal early and they just kept it really tight and it was it didn't make much sense, but it put up made their defensive numbers look good. And then they played 60, 70 minutes against 10 men against Liverpool, which boosted them as well. So it can be explained. But Newcastle's numbers have been very encouraging in their performances against really good good teams so far this season. Um nice. yeah, the rank, the rankings are Man City, then Newcastle, then Liverpool, then Brentford come fourth. Nice. Schedule adjusted rankings. So, so Arsenal maybe a bit further down than we would expect. Then it goes Chelsea in fifth. Oh, that was, I was going to ask about Chelsea. Yeah. So because they've had quite an easy start, but but they're still put up great XG. Yeah. But they've just been underperforming. It's been Jackson. They just, they just have Jackson. <laughs> and then like Enzo Fernandez, uh, Chilwell, and Colwell have like underperformed combined as much as Jackson has. So that that everybody's wow. underperforming. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm an absolute sucker for the underperformer just because I think, firstly, obviously, I do put a lot more in the underlyings than, say, the output. But also, you know, every time that you, I obviously own Jackson, every time he puts up some good XG, he didn't last week, to be fair, so I'm not kidding myself too much there, hopefully. But every time he puts up some good XG but doesn't score a goal and everyone's like, oh, see, I know he's an absolute donkey, can't score goals, that I will absolutely admit that definitely makes me go like, oh, but now I want to prove you wrong, which is a yeah. terrible way to play play FPL. But it's yeah. definitely a temptation I fall for. You can't be stubborn, but and you can't be too knee-jerky. You just have to have a happy balance. Absolutely, I think I mean, you know to talk again talk about the review, you know, review model or any model. Uh, Mikel Tottenham's is very good as well. I think that's something that often helps us with. So, like we mentioned, that Alvarez wasn't appearing in the solves. That doesn't mean he's not good. If you look at the EV, he's got some lovely EV. You know, he's near the top. But I think the point is, what it helps you do is just chills you out from your sort of passionate new jerk i must now have this player that's performing brilliantly i must have them now when what the model is probably telling you is there's better now have him later and i think that's quite a nice way of using it to supplement your own feelings and your own your own preferences because ultimately you don't have to follow review you don't have to follow what you see by eye you know you can make the decisions that make you feel most comfortable going forwards yeah yeah just looking at michael talkbands now what does he have? The BCV value or whatever on the side, and Morris is 0.42 and Alvarez is 0.34. So 
Alvarez is a good is a good option in general. He's ahead of a lot of players, but yeah, Morris is, is far enough ahead. Fair, yeah. I think. I mean, I, I do think it's what I'll be doing. And then it sounds like you're prioritising the defensive move this week, maybe just based on your squad. Yeah. In isolation, would you? What would you say to someone who had both options open to them? So they could go and grab Alvarez now, or they could go via Morris, or they could go and start trying to load up on Newcastle defence. Now, let's assume they don't have a wild card. What would you? advise people to prioritize if you had to it's hard to say like people have different budgets can they afford to go to Trippier without doing a downgrade someone somewhere else um jackson to what does it free up doing jackson to uh, alvarez it only frees up a little bit of money like 0.2 or something so yeah. yeah in isolation it's it's a fine transfer like just looking at Mikel's algorithm again, Jackson is 0.24, Alvarez is 0.34. So if you're gaining one on the, the BCV, whatever that stands for, but if you're gaining 0.1, then that, that makes it a good transfer. It's just other alternate transfers that that look better. Um, and if you're investing in Newcastle defence, now looks like one of the best times to do it. Their fixtures get tough again in game week 11-ish. So you want to get the Newcastle defence now for this like five five pictures in a row. I just hope that the, the Champions League isn't going to affect them. They they looked off it against Milan on yeah Tuesday, didn't they? It was a poor performance, and hopefully they can recover. I mean, they played some midweeks last season. Obviously, they went deep in their, the EFL Cup, but it's it's just more intense. It's more emotionally draining being the in the Champions League, and then. I hope they can bounce back and, and play an intense game like they used to in the Premier League. And yeah, it's Sheffield United away. That's that's a pretty easy fixture, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's a few things there. And you mentioned the Champions League. Like, no matter what, their players, their management are only human. If they, unless they're like, say, in a title race in November in the Premier League, if they've got a random fixture, I don't know, Everton away at the weekend, but then, you know, the equivalent of Milan again in the week. Of course you're going to be looking at that match. You know, if the Premier League is, okay, we just need to get our points on the board, leave it alone, and then go look at the Champions League. Of course you're looking at the Champions League psychologically. Despite, you know, these are the professionals. They they know how to try and avoid that as best as possible. But they're only human. And then, of course, when it comes to rotation, we saw at the weekend, we saw Newcastle rotate the attack relatively heavily. Um, Much notably Wilson in for for Isak and uh, and the wingers as well. But not the defence. I think that could tell us one of two things, and unfortunately they are, are opposing things. One is the defence is safe. Eddie Howe will play the defence no matter what. Or it's telling us that he's now rotated the attack. It's the defence's turn next. He has a substitute for Trippier in Livramento. He has, I think without injuries, he does have backups for the centre-backs, but but there were some injuries there. Um, and obviously left-back as well. He has he has an option, especially in Lewis Holland's Matt Target. So I think... It's tough. We maybe probably should expect a benching, at least one, over this period. And I think the main player there we want to be looking at is Trippier. Played so many minutes last year, but did see early subs, which suggests that Howe will protect him when he can. If they've got a relatively easy fixture at the weekend and a tough Champions League match in the week, especially if that Champions League match is important, I would be concerned about Trippier's minutes. I don't think that would stop me getting him, because just looking now, over that period, I think I've got, I think I've done game week six to game week 10, so in like my wildcard window. Uh, the top defenders are Trippier, Shah, Robertson, Alexander-Arnold, Botman, Dallow, Byrne, Virgil van Dijk. 
So it's basically Liverpool and Newcastle in there with a little bit of Dallow as well. And Trippier is top by quite a long way. The rest are quite close. Trippier is roughly four EV ahead of Fabian Scher over that period, which is significant. So for someone like me who can't afford Trippier straight up, would have to do, say, Jackson down to Morris, use that money to do Gabriel to Trippier. If I was just using one of my free transfers this week, I'd be very tempted just to go straight to Botman. But that probably means I'm getting another Newcastle centre-back rather than Trippier. And so for me, it's a question of, am I, I guess, am I hoping Trippier gets benched there and the centre-backs don't? Or am I just acknowledging that I'm going to have slightly worse options, but for a cheaper price? For you, Ben, what are you prioritising when it comes to that Newcastle defence? And how do you think the minutes might look over the next few weeks? Hmm. Well, Levimento has played four minutes so far this season. Like You would think he's going to come <laughs> off the bench more. And if he's, if he's about to take... Um, to start a game, and you'd think he's going to like make make him make a few more sub minutes, make a few more sub appearances in the game leading up to it. So I think Trippi is okay for now. Um, he's a leader on the pitch, isn't he? He's so important for Newcastle. Um, and obviously the centre backs are more secure because they're not having to do as much running. Centre backs don't get rotated really unless it's Pep Guardiola. But um, yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, you've made me a bit nervous. I've seen talk about, <laughs> and the Newcastle fans are following on Twitter. It's it's more likely the left back burn will be rotated because, yeah, the left backs in um, target targets played a few minutes. He's, he's had one start already. Um, Lewis Hall, I think, has he made a sub appearance as well? But burn isn't isn't as important. I don't think compared to, compared to Trippier. Worth noting that when uh, when Target played left back, I believe Burn played centre back because Bottman right, was out. Yeah, was injured. Yeah, cool. That's fair. So I mean, over this period, is there anything? I think we've you know this conversation has been very much led by my preferences, which which frankly is wonderful. Having having you on tap to help answer my team and fix my problems is great. You'd want to mention over this period or anything you'd want to want to highlight. Mm, well, what would I say? Having two free transfers is good. I'm just using my two, two free transfers now because I need to fix up my team. I want to be able to bench Saliba, Udogi and Archer this week. So I have to use my two. If Chilwell, Chilwell's an issue, I have to get, get rid of him this week and, and bring in two people I'm happy to start. But I suppose you want to, as we're gaining more of a sample size, it's always best to, to save your free transfers to, to assess and what would I say? The, the, yeah, we need to be deciding what we're going to do with, with Harland, and that, that's going to be the big issue in a, in a couple of weeks. Can we go without him? But, yeah, Alvarez, oh, I don't know. I've, I've been checked out of, of F, FPL this week, and I've only just got in, engaged and back into it talking to you tonight. So yeah. I don't think I have, like, an overarching idea. I'd just say, if you're wildcarding, maybe have a little bit of a look at, at game week 18, I know it's a long way away, but you don't want to give yourself too many many headaches. You don't, you don't want to be loading up on Brentford and then have have your Man City players as well. Just think about that, maybe. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think you mentioned there like the Alvarez and Haaland. I I'd, I'd be pretty strong in saying Alvarez is not a substitute for Haaland. Like you aren't getting Alvarez to cover Haaland and therefore good times. Alvarez is an independent pick of his own, and I know in that 
planned wildcard I have. Alvarez would be up front and Haaland wouldn't. But I don't think that's to replace Haaland. It's because Alvarez is a good pick in his own right. And the money has been put into, say, for example, a Salah and a Trent. And I think I had Son and Rashford in that team as well. So you can see how Haaland wouldn't necessarily be afforded. And the goal, of course, would be to then move the captaincy around each week over that period to players that, in theory, have a better fixture than Haaland. Of course, we know how that goes. But... If the opportunity is there, and when I say opportunity, I don't mean gamble. I mean genuinely, you know, there is some EV to grab. Then as uh, as many, many famous analytic managers have said, you know, you just you just grab some EV. I think you'd want to plan for getting Haaland back when those fixtures turn and maybe a maybe a large sofa to hide behind in the in the between time. Yeah, I agree with that too. But yeah, but Man City's fixtures turn again in game week, well, 15, available way then 16 like and then i said they've got the blank coming up you want to be using free transfers to bring man city players back in when they're about to blank and you uh, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a conundrum at that point but maybe having alvarez the whole time through those tough fixtures because he's such good value it's easier to have alvarez then you've already got your one man city player when when they play loose in the way and crystal palace at home in 16 17 and then you go you go back to harland and you maybe bench two Man City players in game week 18 and hope if the squad is, is good enough you can play players like your cheaper players who don't play as much but that's a long way away now but I think it's it's worth thinking about yeah I think that's fair I mean I think tonight a lot of our a lot of our conversation has been quite like long-ranging in terms of the scope we're looking at but for me I feel like that's uh, now we've got over that very early period of the season um obviously as you mentioned earlier there's not nearly enough data to start making proper confident predictions but i think in terms of knowing maybe what lineups will look like for example chelsea there's the chill world question but otherwise we have a decent idea of what that's looking like um arsenal with the injury now gabriel's back in because inchenko inverting from the left so i think that's settled at least for a bit man city have got injuries so generally i don't know if there's the tactical updates or the sort of ex, you know, massive expected minutes updates that we often want to do at the beginning of a season. I feel like we're now into that period where you just want to, for want of a better way of putting it, settle into a groove and almost avoid a lot of the noise unless there is new information introduced. And so for me, looking ahead, I think looking ahead probably helps me not knee-jerking someone like Alvarez because if I wasn't looking any further ahead than, say, just this week, oh, Jackson to Alvarez, yeah, that sounds pretty tempting, even with Jackson's good fixture. But I think I know in the medium to longer term, it's better for me to chill out on that. And it sounds like you're maybe pretty similar in your thinking there. I am, yeah. Alvarez, if you're not getting him these these two weeks, you're probably going to get him eventually. If, if you're going away from Haaland and going to Salah with three transfers, then probably going to get him at some point even during the fixture run and then man city have bournemouth at home right in the middle of their their tough fixtures if you don't have you don't have harland at that point then you may be going to have alvarez as a captaincy option then yeah i think i mean that's the thing isn't it a captaincy with harland is so often the thing like if you have salah some people have salah and harland now and are doing quite well salah's i think the only player that's returned every single week so far which probably isn't a huge surprise but hasn't necessarily put up the massive hauls that you would have wanted to captain him over Haaland for. And that's what's going forward, right? It's the it's the captaincy that really means we have Haaland, not necessarily just his base points, because there just isn't anyone else that week on week that can compete with a chip as powerful. Well, I'd say a chip, as captaincy was have it, but a tool as powerful as doubling your points reliably. And I think that's the scary thing. The time you go against Haaland is when you have other captaincy options, not necessarily just when, say, City have bad fixtures or something like that. I think you need both sides of the coin. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And 
just noticing Salah's scored tonight to make it 3-1, but he didn't start again. He didn't start. He only played 20 minutes, came on the 74-minute mark. If this had been a Champions League game, he would have played, wouldn't he? He played all the Champions League games Liverpool in the past yeah. few years. So it does make a difference now that he's probably not going to be played most of these these um, Europa League games. So it's, it probably increases his minutes and his, I don't know, his sharpness maybe. Am I right in saying he was subbed off in the Premier League the other day? Uh, oh, okay. What I say the other day? So looking at his minutes, he played 90 and 5, 4 and 3 against Wolves, Villa and Newcastle respectively. Played 85 against Bournemouth and then 76 against Chelsea. Got a goal and assist in those, both those matches. Oh, well, each of those matches. Um, so, yeah, I think I don't remember the context being subbed off against Chelsea. It was 1-1. He's provided the assist. I In my head, I have Salah being subbed off at some point and being annoyed about it. And yeah, I remember, I remember him and, stopping off and taking his yeah. straps off his arm and throwing them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And for me, I remember thinking, oh, is that now they've got options like, you know, maybe changing to like a front two or something and therefore not Salah. But actually then looking at the subsequent minutes, you know, three nineties in a row rested for the for the Europa so he can play presumably, you know, fresh in the Premier League. Maybe any, any X minutes concerns are uh, premature from me there. But what do you reckon? I think that, that makes sense. And it's, it's apart from just X minutes, it's like the whole Liverpool squad. They're going to they're not going to go as hard. In the in Europe, they're going to rest more of their key players, so the whole the whole team as a whole will perform better in the Premier League. You'd think than maybe they were getting exhausted in previous seasons. I just think it helps the whole team out and just increases their the chances of getting lots of goals in, in the Premier League. I suppose. Um, yeah. So Salah looks kind of essential, would you say, from game week nine? Oh, that word. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't like essential, but like, he's going to be, I don't know, FBL review is going to be like trying to tell everyone to get to get Salah. Every kind of soul is going to be leading towards Salah in game nine, I think. I think if, like, so yeah, that word essential, obviously, a bit like the word optimal, right, has, has mm. naughty meanings in FBL. Mm. But if we were to try and break down what does essential mean, obviously can't go without, should break team to try and get. Well, one of the wild cards, potentially mine, is based around a fixture swing that also allows Salah to come into a team. So that sounds quite essential to me, even if I'll shy away from saying it fully. So yeah, I think that's a I think that's a decent shout. Yeah. Um, shall we? Shall we, we look at some there. questions? Oh, no, we've got questions. Yeah? Yeah, Lovely. Um, I mean, yeah, we've been going for nearly 50 minutes, so I think that's nice. As long as I've remembered to hit record. Then uh, a few little questions. I've tried to guide us through a few of these questions that we've talked. So um, hopefully people have had these answered, but I'll fly through a few now that may be of interest. So um, Jordi at Jockey FBL, one of our one of our favorite people there. Uh, Jackson to Alvarez. Yes. No. Maybe. One word answer. Maybe. Maybe. Nice. Putting that one in feels like cheating. I'll go no, but just to stick with the sort of anti-Alvarez suit that I've donned. Um, we have Fred, I want to say Lunjevic, but at Fluny7, I'm going to go with that. That's easier for me, for my uh, Anglo brain. How much patience is warranted when an asset puts up good underlying stats but doesn't deliver? Patience seems to be a quality of the best FBR managers, but when does it go too far? I think it's the second bit of that question that's really interesting to me. I suppose you look at if they've had a few seasons, you look at their performance in previous seasons, if they've shown they can be a good finisher, then you want to be more patient with them. If they've got no data showing that they they can 
perform at their XG or higher, then maybe you, you lose patients more quickly. I think that's fair. I I always err on the side of patients personally. But yeah, you've got to cut ties at some point. And I think for me, for me, it would almost be, so unless something changes, so for example, Jackson just gets dropped, that's new information and we should respond accordingly. To use Jackson as an example, or Darwin from last year, I had Darwin for quite a period and a very similar story to Jackson, right? The reason I eventually moved off Darwin was I couldn't contain my tears any longer. But the main reason was there were then better options. So I think I mostly had Darwin through the period that I thought he was a good option with the underlying numbers, but alas, not the output. And then I moved on when the team structure changed or there were better players. And I think it's the same with Jackson, you know, same when he Jackson, becomes Morris. Yeah. 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 When he becomes Morris, when he becomes Alvarez, whatever it is because of fixtures, that's when I make the move. Um, another one here for you then. So a little bit different to what we talked about, I think actually uh, from Tanya Sharma, Son and Watkins to Salah and Archer. I will presume that is this week and it would be for a minus four. So it's basically Watkins to Archer to afford Sonda Salah, I'm presuming. Isn't it a bit early this week? Liverpool have got Spurs away next week, then Brighton away. So I don't think you want to be doing that. Son has Luton at home when Liverpool have Brighton away in, in a couple of weeks. So it, it's a bit too knee-jerky for me, that, that minus four, I think. I think that's fair. I would just throw in as well that you're losing Watkins there. Watkins is a player that I'd quite like in about, is it two weeks or so, three weeks that Villa fixtures get really good? Three, four, five weeks, yeah, especially game week 10. But yeah, Wolves away in, in eight, then West Ham at home, and then Luton at home in game week 10 when he could be one of the best captaincy options. So you could reverse that, but you've obviously moved from a, well, a, a multiple striker structure to at least less, uh, you know, one fewer, so maybe three to two or even just a Harlem with Archer. So getting up, Watkins back might be tough, so I would definitely hold off. Uh, Last one for you then here from uh, FBL Keeper. Who's going to win game week 39 in 2024? The North or the South, Ben? The South. I mean, the North. Sorry, what are the other things? <laughs> oh! The North. The North. Uh, I mean, we, um, you know, we can only we've got Geordie who just asked that question. <laughs> he's, he's the hero, isn't he? He, um, he got two goals last year and he's an ex-pro. And, he's a bit uh, good at football, isn't he? He's a bit good, yeah. He's a bit good. Okay, well, thank you so much to everyone who has, I say joined us, but uh, listening to this after the fact, if I've pressed record and if Sam's managed to uh, managed to turn this into something for us. Um, if not, probably see you again in about half an hour, Ben. Um, but thank you, my friend, for, for, for joining me tonight. Uh, joining you, joining me tonight. Oh, flustered. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk. Yeah, thanks for hosting it and doing a good job with all that. And I hope I was able to add some insight. Oh, for sure. You've, you've, you've made me feel calm, even if just because you said you've not think, thought about FPL this week. And I think that's quite, yeah, we, we talk about it and think about it a lot, but it happens at the weekend. You know, you spend minutes making a transfer or whatnot. I think whatever you do, being able to set it aside in the week, if you can, is a, a really good approach to this game that sometimes we love and sometimes we hate. Yeah, I agree with that. And I wouldn't like to be doing a podcast every week because then you're just having to get in, into like thinking about it so much and it can maybe affect you mentally. It just, it's good to check out every so often when it's gone badly. That's fair. That's fair. And I think I speak for the whole community when I say that it's important we keep you mentally sound, my friend. <laughs> we need those spreadsheets. Otherwise, we're all going to lose the day you from the office. Yeah, everybody needs to be mentally sound in the FDL community. You see people just losing 
<laughs> losing their heads on Twitter, don't you, on Saturday afternoons. It just it's a bit much, isn't it? Absolutely. That's what it's all about, right? Making our Saturday afternoons better or, or maybe a lot worse. Um, and one last thing I should just mention before we go, that um, Sam isn't with us tonight. Um, wasn't here last week either, I think. Unfortunately, his dad is very, very ill at the moment, although has just been in hospital and had a, a positive outcome to a surgery there. Um, but unfortunately, is is long term ill. And Sam, the wonderful, wonderful man that he is, um, not only is sort of talking and taking this in just the way I hope I could if I was in this position. I have so much love and respect for him and his family. But he mentioned a few weeks ago that his dad went viral on Twitter talking about his team, his fantastic team that I think, what was it? He said like, you know, ah, Harlan can't possibly do it again. Is he an analytical manager? He saw that Harlan was overperforming his XG, thought regression to the mean, can't have that man in my team, got rid of him and scored something like 20 points in game week one, then took a 20 point hit. So reset himself, which is brilliant. Uh, got Harland in game week two. Although I must say, I think it was last week, he put up about 85 points. So uh, a ridiculous improvement in performance. And he'll be catching all of us uh, by the time the season ends. And if he does keep putting up lots of points, uh, Sam is going to be donating a fair bit of money to brain tumor research. He's donating. Oh, I have pulled out my headset. I should still be. You should still be able to hear me, but I can't hear me. Lovely. There we go. Um, he is donating one pound for every five points that his dad's FPL teams uh, scores over the season to brain tumor research. I believe we will put a tweet uh, under this, just if anyone wants to go check that out or if anyone wants to donate, that would be fabulous. But um, love to Sam and his family. Uh, and uh, thanks for letting us do this week, my friend. And with that, we will say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed listening to us and we will see, hear and speak to you very soon. Catch you later. Goodbye. <laughs>